Mike, how are we doing? Hi, Paul. That's great. I'm doing great. Excellent. I like the background. Very serene. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. So I guess it'll just be me and you today. And so I'd like to do um, an interview if you feel um, you have time for it to get into oh, some certainly. amazing stories, amazing details of your life. Um, so this is kind of like uh, my first attempt at a podcast, basically, where I'm interviewing a lot of different people and having a lot of different conversations around well, I'm calling it ascension workers. So really, I feel like it, it is a process of of work that we have to do to to um, ascend together as a as a community, as a collective. We're working on the the job of raising consciousness as much as we can on Earth. So I feel like um, you know I I see some similarities between me and you, and that you you were very called to um, start start your own local. Uh, discussion group around the subject of ETs and UFOs, and you've had your own contact experiences. And uh, I've, I've been very appreciative of all, your, all the stories you've shared. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about your background and how, how did you first feel like you were starting to awaken to the subject of ETs and UFOs? Yeah, it actually goes back a long, long time. Um, Let's see, how would I start this? Uh, probably uh, about 1972, when I was about seven years old or so, friend and I were, uh, I grew up in uh, Long Island, New York, and uh, just jumped out of the pool. We went to the front of the house uh, to wait for the ice cream man. And basically, we just looked up and out of nowhere, uh, a large silver disc-shaped object appeared on top of my neighbor's home. And we were little kids, so we were just looking at it like, you know, what the hell is that? made no noise. It was about the size of the house. And it kind of just hovered there. Uh, and then it kind of slowly um, moved from uh, right to left and we kind of chased it. And then as we went down the road, uh, when we got to the end of the block, it just disappeared a million, million miles an hour. Just zip, like as it always, as uh, you always hear uh, from people's stories, just there it was there and then it was gone. So it was quite interesting because I was a, a young kid, didn't really know what was going on. And then uh, we went back to the house, my friend and I, and uh, we just told everybody and, you know, who knows, I don't even remember what happened, but that was the end of that. Um, and how old were you then? I was probably about seven. I believe it was 1972. And did you continue to do... talk about that with those particular friends? Did you have any bond with those friends who saw it? I did. And the funny thing was about him, uh, with the guy I saw it with was he, um, Let's see how we remember this now. So basically, uh, he he didn't live in New York at the time. He he was visiting his uh, uh, my next door neighbor, which was his relatives. So many many years went by, and then um, I actually saw him. I re kind of reunited with him, probably about let's say ten twelve years in the future. And it was kind of funny because over those years, I mean, I, I I started to I remember the event. But then I questioned myself, was this a real event or was it just a dream? And then I reunited with this kid at uh, his grandmother's funeral. And the first thing I, I remember asking him was, hey, Tom, do you remember we were little kids and we saw that spaceship or whatever that thing was over our neighbor's house? And he said, yeah, you remember that? I said, do you remember that? And he's, yeah. So now it, it became clear that this was a real event. And um, it was kind of funny, too, because now we're 18, 19 years old. 
and we started to talk about different things. And he starts telling me that, you know, when I was a kid, I used to have this reoccurring dream that I was floating over your, your front yard. And I said, that's, that's amazing because I used to have the same recurring dream that I was floating. It was like, I was out of my body and he mentioned my lamppost, uh, which is like a, you know, like a light in front of the neighborhood. And I used to basically just float like I was out of my body as a little kid. And I always remembered the dream because it, it was, it was fun. I liked it. And when he said it, I, I was kind of shocked. So that was my first basically introduction into UFOs. Somebody reached out. I mean, they, they showed up in front of my house in a, in a giant spaceship. Now, this is funny, too, because probably about two years ago, I'm sitting in my home in, in Florida. And something in my head said, Google your experience in 1972. So I listened. And um, sure enough, I, um, it's, it was in the newspapers that a large UFO disc-like object was seen hovering over the highway there. People got out. They, they looked at it. So it was, it was a pretty big event. And it just happened to be in 1972. So it was funny here, you know, 40-something, 50 years later in the future that I'm getting this message in my head to Google the event. And sure enough, it was documented that many, many people in New York saw that, uh, that spaceship. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. Um, yeah. It, it almost seems like there's, there's possibly something has shifted where there's fewer sightings like that that occur um, in where it's very low to the ground and a lot of people are able to see it. I'm not sure if that relates to agreements between governments or the, the way that the Air Force is handling the situation. Um, that's my speculation, though, that, that it seems like um, you hear more of those stories from the 50s, 60s, and 70s than you do from the 80s, 90s, although we do hear some amazing stories from people um, in, in our meetings um, of, of very similar close encounters. It's just usually it's not mass sightings so much as it used to be, I guess. Well. I don't know. Um, I haven't seen any, like, um, that was the first time I really ever saw, well, maybe twice, but that was the the most distinct object that I've ever seen. Ever since then, it's been a lot of balls of light, a lot of, a lot of uh, orbs. And since I met you guys, I mean, I, I'm sure Mark's been telling you, but we, every, every time we've been together, we've been seeing a lot of crazy stuff. Uh, we went to, um, I don't know if you saw my post, but we went to Skinwalker Ranch two weeks ago um couldn't see anything i mean you get to the you get to the gate in utah and then we got yelled at by the uh, by the um uh there was a, like a voice uh came over the loudspeaker that says you are trespassing and we have you on video <laughs> so me and my uh, my uh, mark and my wife we just left but when we went back to the hotel we were sitting you know uh, looking up at the sky it was getting close towards sunset and we saw an orb and my wife said, oh, look at that. Is that Venus? And I said, no, Venus is not even up yet. Or, or actually, Venus was already up, but it was to the left. So the orb was there for about three or four seconds, and then it disappeared. Uh, Mark captured something on video, but uh, it might have just been birds. But at least we got to see something over in that area. Yeah. Yeah. It's Orbs are very mysterious how many um, sightings there are and how they, they seem to be able to come in and out of our reality. And we just... Like I'll, I'll see, I'll see orbs sort of randomly when I'm not, not expecting it. Even when we're having our discussion meetings, I'll sometimes see orbs floating in the middle of, of the, a very translucent color, not completely solid or, or, or uh, radiant, but there, but there'll be a translucent orb float, floating in between 
people who are talking. And so I don't know if that's a different kind of life form than the kind that that we see is uh, more bright and vibrant in the sky that seems like it could be a craft or maybe craft that has um, shrunk itself down into a, a ball or something like that. Yeah, it's a lot of speculation for me. Yeah, it's uh, and obviously the military is seeing these things now. They're all of a sudden, you know, putting them on uh, on TV and showing everybody what uh, they've captured on video. Uh, as soon as I got to Colorado, I, I saw an orb. It was kind of like, welcome to Colorado. And this thing went, um, it was in the east and it went uh, to the left quick and to the right quick. And I got it on video and my friend analyzed it. Uh, he's a computer guy. And he's like, yeah, it's pretty compelling. I mean, there's no engines, there's no sound. And the way the movement was, and it was during the day. Um, and then since I've been here, I've probably seen like 20 different things already so with you guys mostly and with uh, our group. And um, we did a, a CE5 up at Kevin's house about a month ago. It was freezing up there. And we did the meditation. And uh, as soon as I opened my eyes, the orb was right there. It was knocking on my door. I guess I could share for people who are not familiar. So basically, I, I, I host a meetup group in Colorado Springs called ET Disclosure and Contact. If you live in Colorado, you can come visit us. There's a discussion group, and there's a CE5 meditation that I host monthly. And so we've been doing those at different locations uh, around Colorado Springs. Um, and lately, we've been getting some interesting sightings. Certainly, the last one, the last one we had, um, it was south of Colorado Springs. I had um, a contact which felt very um, special to me that was very full of love with seeing seeing the light in the sky and it it moved in a way that i it was not straight line but i i can't describe it it felt like a brush stroke and i saw it several times over over a one minute period um and it feels like you know there's so many ways in which they can uh, manifest but although although there does seem to be some um some restriction to how long they show up for i don't know if it's related to people's free will that they that they don't want to make anyone afraid if they do anything too too anomalous for people who are not ready for it yet. That's something I've always wondered. But there's endless speculation about what's going on with CE5 events, I know. And some people think you need to meditate. Some people think you don't need to meditate. And I'm of the opinion it just matters if you're of the right vibration and you're not going to be negatively affected by it. Then positive beings, I feel, can give us the catalyst and inspiration that we need to, to, to continue in some elevated way in our own lives. And I think that's a part of the, the increase in consciousness is that these contact experiences are allowed to increase. I'll tell you, um, it, I mean, the, the spaceship sighting for me was amazing back in the day. But in 1990, I think I told you a long time ago, I saw this ball of light, again, orb, and it came in front of my, my, my face. It was like 20 feet away. And that changed my life. That actually opened me up to becoming a spiritual person, like something from out there showed me who I am on the inside. And I started to research this and that. But seeing this- Did you object, give the full details there? Well, well, how did that start? That yeah, experience? so in 1990, I was uh, and actually even six months before, I started writing like poems about UFOs and how they're going to take me up one day uh, on their ship when, the, when, when something happens. And then six months later, in December of 1990, I, uh, I basically came outside. I was in Florida. South Florida, and um, at two thirty in the morning, I was totally straight, no drugs, no no alcohol, and just I used to always look up at the sky anyway. I, I used to like to hopefully see a meteor or something, and then sure enough, I see a meteor, boom, and then two seconds later, I see this glowing orb about the size of a small basketball 
up here again on top of my neighbor's house, which is pretty close. And I'm staring at this thing like, you know, what the hell is that? I've never really seen anything before or since or, or before, I should say. And then it kind of came, it was like a, it was moving very weird, no noise. And it was, it was like a heartbeat monitor going like uh, up and down, up and down. Like you see like the, uh, doo -doo -doo -doo. Uh, and basically this thing, it was, it was, it's hard to describe, but it was like, like, I would say pulsating or just there. It, it literally, if, if it was 20 feet for me, it, it was a lot. I mean, I almost like reach out and touch it and it was just going up and down, up and down, but when it went up and down, you didn't see the up and down movement. It was up, then it was down, then it was up, then it was down. But there was no, you didn't see it move. It was kind of like interdimensional. Like it was there for a second and now it was on the bottom. And this lasted for about maybe six or seven minutes. And then slowly, it just moved very, very slowly to my left. And then just before it hit this tree, it disappeared. So I stood there in awe. I didn't know what I was seeing. I didn't, I wasn't even thinking UFO at that point. I had no idea what it was. It wasn't a bird. It wasn't a bug. It was, it was dark. It was nighttime. Nobody would have flashlight. It was just a floating ball of light. And then when the next day, when I woke up, I was like a new person. I had like this ravenous quest to learn four things were in my mind. Who am I? Where did I come from? Where am I going? And what am I supposed to do while I'm on this planet? So I started to read and read and read and read. And then I started to meditate. And somebody told me in my mind, like, start writing down your dreams. So I did. And then it was 20 years of just wonderment of dreams writing down. And, uh, and then I, I was seeing things and the meditation was really helpful. I think that was like the main thing I was learning to, you know, calm down and just relax and just, um, you know, just be. And then I was, I was, uh, again, they were, they were showing up uh, again. And I saw them with a couple of people. I saw a ship one time, same location in South Florida, had like portholes. It was like 530 in the afternoon. And I remember this uh, very clearly because of, of the, it was like a, a ship that I saw and it had like these five little windows and then it went away and I ran inside to get my video camera and sure enough, it actually came back and, <laughs> uh, and then it just disappeared. And my friend was there. Uh, I got it on video, but back then the video cameras were, you know, not so good and it was uh, not the light, greatest lighting, but you know, over the years I've seen uh, many, many objects uh, in Florida with with people and then uh, i was traveling a lot and i saw a whole bunch of things in sedona um so it just continued and here we are you know since 1990 it was at uh, 33 years later and i i mean i must have like a thousand <laughs> times i've seen these things i eventually moved to another home in florida and my backyard was like a hot spot i don't know what was going on over there but as soon as I got there, I started seeing weird flashes in the sky and strange things. And then I had people over and they all saw it too. And it was just a continuation. Uh, in 1997, um, kind of actually going back, uh, I had my first contact experience, basically. And uh, I was on my way to a, well, actually, I think I told you guys in the, uh, in the meeting, but um, on a Friday morning, I was, I basically had a dream and in the dream, I woke up like out of my body on a beach and I think it was California. It was kind of weird, but all of a sudden in front of me, I saw this stuff like uh, from Star Trek. Remember these, the Scotty beat me up like they were dematerializing on the, on the Star Trek show. Well, I saw this stuff, which was like material or whatever. And all of a sudden it came 
it turned into a man. <laughs> and when he turned into a man, he had this like energy coming out of him, like this um, love energy. And he said, in my mind, we're going to contact you. We're going to contact you. He says, we are the Pleiadians of the interdimensional angelic realm. You're a part of our grouping. I'm like, okay, great. Sounds great. I mean, <laughs> I don't know who you are or what you are, but the energy coming out of this guy was very interesting. It was just like love. It was like divine almost. And um, I felt very, you know, really nice being around him. And then he disappeared. And then um, that Sunday, I had contacted the Florida Sun Sentinel newspaper probably nine months before saying that I'm going to start a public discussion group on UFOs and ETs and just to give people a place to, uh, to talk and, you know, share their stories and stuff like that. And um, the, the, the reporter wanted to do an interview on me and I'm like, nah, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I'm just contacting the paper and I, you know, put a little blur back there and let people know that we're going to be at this hotel. So he ended up contacting me a few months after. He says, listen, I really want to do an interview on you. It's a very po popular subject back then. The X-Files was very popular in 1998 and so forth. Um, it was 1998, I believe. So anyway, long story short. So I ended up, um, okay, I agreed. And the guy came to my house, spoke to me for about two hours and ended up shaking my hand and saying, thanks for not being crazy. <laughs> I'm like, okay. You know, I was a mental health therapist at the time. I used to help people and I knew I'm not crazy as far as I, I understood. And I was just giving people an open format to speak about their experiences to make, you know, connections and see what would come from it. So this weekend, I wake up on a Sunday morning, two days after I just met this Pleiadian guy and my face, my name and my phone number is on the front page of a Sunday, the main newspaper there. And it said in Florida, like, who are you going to call in South Florida if you see a UFO? <laughs> me. And the guy did such a good interview, uh, article on me. He didn't make me look crazy. He actually made me look very good. He could have destroyed my life, but he didn't. He, he found it very interesting. And so now it's Sunday morning and my phone is ringing off the hook and I'm on this in the newspaper and people are calling and, and I'm like, what's going on? And my mom's like, you're in the newspaper. And I go to the next door and I get the newspaper. And sure enough, there's my face and my phone number. So now radio stations are calling and people are calling and they're telling me all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, this is amazing. So uh, a radio station had called and they wanted me to come visit them on. Um, uh, actually, let me let me jump back. So this is Sunday morning. So Sunday evening, I go to my parents house for dinner and we're talking. And my father is like an old retired police officer, military guy and. You know, not really into this kind of stuff and not really spiritual, just a hardcore kind of great person, loving man, but just not a spiritual person at all. And, um, you know, we're talking about my article and how the, uh, you know, looks in the newspaper. And so I said, you know, it's amazing. I had a really interesting dream the other night. So my father says, well, interesting you say that. So did I. So I, I let him talk and he starts describing the exact experience that I just had. He woke up in his dream and he was on a beach and all of a sudden this stuff turned into a man and he ended up having a conversation with this guy. And um, he said, you know, he actually decided to retire and live his life. And, you know, and he ended up doing that. And uh, I said, describe the guy. He says, well, he, cause I didn't tell you before, but my guy looked like he had this like blue suit on and like uh, gray hair and like goggles over his eyes and, and my father described the exact same being. Oh, yeah, this guy had a blue suit on and gray hair and goggles. And I couldn't believe it. I'm like, Dad, I, I can't believe you just said that because I just had to, I was just about to tell you the same experience that I had. He says, really? 
I said, you saw the same being that I did. He said, yes, I guess I did. So he ended up deciding to retire, which was really cool. Was that something so that now, was discussed by this person in the, in the, in the dream that he had? It was the same exact, he, he described the same exact being and how it, how it actually, you know, showed up in his dream out of nowhere. Did it, give, did it give him a message too? His message was, you should retire and just go live your life. I see. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, he was working for like 35 years already as a police officer. And so he ended up listening and he did retire. And uh, the interesting thing was, so now about, you know, the radio stations would call me asking me to come on and TV stations. And so I ended up saying, okay, I'm going to go to visit this radio station uh, on Friday. So uh, Friday comes, I, I drive about an hour to a place called West Palm Beach. And I get there and the, the, the manager says, I'm sorry, we can't do the interview today. Um, the guy was sick. Could you come back another day? Yeah, no problem. So I go home and I actually go back to sleep. So now I wake up in my house and I'm out of my body. And in my house are, let's say, five beings, for lack of a better term. And they kind of look like me. They, they look human. They had like long hair. I had long hair at the time and a beard, a mustache, and kind of like they had like camping gear on. And the energy coming out of this was just magnified. It was like this gentleman from five days ago. But now it's all this love energy coming out of these beings. And they kept saying, in my mind, we are the Pleiadians of the interdimensional angelic realm. You are part of our grouping. And we're going to contact you and work with you. And, you know, they said a whole bunch of stuff. But uh, something like when the shift happens in the future, you're going to be like helping out. And I'm like, okay, that, that all sounds great. But. I'm seeing my body on my bed, like kind of like through my wall. So I'm out of my body and these beings are in my house. And, and I'm like, well, I don't understand. How am I here talking to you? But my body is over there. <laughs> it didn't make any sense. I didn't understand. My, I, I never really understood my out of body experience like that. And they said something to the effect that, well, I don't know what they said, but they kind of like touched my, my, my out of body or whatever. And now I was doing like telekinesis. I was moving stuff with my mind. They were teaching me how to move, use my mind for, for certain things. So I remember lifting my TV up with my mind and uh, bottles and stuff like that. It was the most amazing, unbelievable experience I probably ever had before or since. And then when I woke up, I'm looking around. I'm like, was that a dream? Was that real? I mean, this, I, I can't believe it. This was like unbelievable. So I wrote it down. And then um, a lot of a lot of cool stuff were happening after that. In my house at a time, I had a friend who was living with me, and I was in my kitchen. I mean, uh, something touched me on my arm, and I was awake, and it was felt like a beautiful, just light touch on my arm, kind of like somebody was letting me know that they were there. And then I told my friend, and 20 minutes later, he said, something just happened to me. I, I felt the same thing. And he was actually kind of going through the same experience as I was. Um, seeing stuff in the sky. And it was kind of like a parallel friendship. Everything that was happening was to me was also happening to him. And then we would travel to Sedona together. And uh, we then we saw some spaceships there. But um, uh, the third dream was basically myself, my friend, and the seven-foot-tall-looking warrior-looking guy. And we were um, walking around a school where I grew up in New York. And he didn't say anything to me that I remember. But the next day when I woke up, I said, hey, I had one of those dreams again with one of those Pleiadians. He said, oh, my God, so did I. I said, what happened to you? He says, well, you, me, and some seven-foot-tall warrior-looking guy were walking around some school area. 
I said, dude, that's exactly what happened to me. So he was actually in the experience, in the dream with me, with this being, and he described the same thing that I did. So this all happened within like a few months period of my father and myself and the newspaper. So it was very, it was very, uh, just amazing experience for me. You feel like that was like programmed into your incarnation that you've agreed to be of service in a particular way. Do you feel like they were activating you for your mission in some way? It seemed to be, it seemed that they were saying that to some future mission that I'm going to be, you know, helping people. And I've always been a helper kind of a person anyway. I've always kind of like um, tried to help people and ended up becoming a therapist to try to help people. But even without the educational that I've always been there to try to help people. So it seems that they were preparing me for something. And they said something about the shift in the future. And then this is another interesting thing that I just reminded myself of. Um, I, I was telling a friend about some recent experiences that I had. And she says, oh, you should go have a reading with my friend. She's very spiritual and she goes and channels and she always tells people some pretty cool things. So, oh, yeah, set that up. I'd like to do that. So even before this meeting took place, I had a dream and I was given three words and three words were seek the mystic. I wrote it down, seek the mystic. So now I ended up meeting this. It's just a dream. I wrote these three words down. Another week goes by and I ended up meeting this lady and within, and I didn't really tell my friend who set this thing up uh, too much. So she couldn't tell anybody what just happened to me. I just told her some basic stuff. So I get to this other lady's house and she starts questioning me. And within like three or four minutes, she goes from a regular woman talking to starts channeling and her voice changed and she became very monotone. And she said, um, you know, we are the Pleiadians of the interdimensional realm and you are part of us and you're going to be helping people with the when the shift happens. And she starts telling me all kinds of different things. And I'm like, I, I'm just amazed because nobody ever knew a week before that I just met these other Pleiadian beings who use the same word. We are the Pleiadians of the interdimensional angelic realm. Very specific. And you're, yeah. And you're part of the grouping, whatever that means. And and then I asked her questions about my friend, and I asked her questions. Actually, I asked her about what what was that thing I saw when I was a child, the first spaceship. And she says, "Well, you could have, you know, you could have climbed, you could have went on um, that ship, but you didn't at that time." So that was a real event. She kind of related to me, and I'm like, "What is the connection with my friend?" And she says, "Oh, you, my friend, who I keep experiencing these things were you." She said, "You and him were placed here thousands of years ago." Again, I don't even know what that means. I was placed on Earth thousands of years ago. I don't know. I, it, it was just so overwhelming. I couldn't even like ask like good questions. You know, uh, it was just it was like, how, how does this person even know what I'm talking about with these Palladians? And then she said something to the effect. Again, this is like you know, 25, 27 years ago. She said something to the effect that yeah, when the shift happens, you should be looking uh, in the Colorado area uh, to live. And that's kind of what compelled me to come out here so many years later. Things had to happen. And I ended up a business that I was going to ended up taking over to this marijuana company that just happens to be in Colorado. So it all kind of like, you know, here I am <laughs> and everything from there. And, then, you know, like I said, I was compelled to start my own public discussion group that people were showing up and all kinds of strange experiences, great stories, um, several similar stories to mine um 
actually something just popped into my head too. So my, my ball of light experience, was in 1990. And then in 1992, a movie came out with John Travolta called Phenomena. And basically in the movie, he goes outside, he looks up at the sky and it's uh, on his birthday. And my, my experiences was pretty close to my birthday in 1990 in December. And in the movie, he looks up, sees this strange flash of light and it kind of knocks him down. He wakes up and now his whole life is changed instantly. He starts reading and he starts acquiring knowledge like me. I, I read like 600 books in like a year. I couldn't stop. I wanted to know everything, again, relating to spirituality and UFOs and ancient history and archaeology and everything there is to know about who we are, where we came from, where we're going, what am I supposed to do? That was the, 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 um, the I guess, the knowledge that they, they wanted me to learn. In the movie, John Travolta, he's doing the same thing. And when I'm watching this movie, I'm like, I can't believe this movie is happening. This, this happened to me. And now there's a movie about it. I mean, so now I'm realizing that this is obviously happening to other people around the world, and it wasn't just me. So it was a really cool coincidence. And then, like I said, I had my own public discussion group probably 10, eight years later because of the, uh, the, the article, the newspaper. And then I remember one guy, he came from upstate New York, and he brought this wood carving. And in the wood carving was this spaceship, and it was a, a man and a dog looking at the ship and that's what he remembered him and his dog were upstate new york all of a sudden this object and the thing that he created in the woodcut was exactly what i saw this disc shaped object that looked like the billy meyer ships and uh it was actually too because billy meyer was pretty popular in the early 70s and that's when he was having his experiences and then here this man was upstate new york in the early 70s and he saw this disc and it's you know it so inspired him he actually made this wood carving and he put the spaceship in there so he's relating his story. I'm getting goosebumps because he's, you know, he's describing and he brought this thing that was exactly what I saw. <laughs> My wife is cooking. So it, the group was just amazing because everybody was, you know, sharing their experience. And that was the whole point. Like you do, you know, you want to hear from a person over here and let's see what the person over there says and let's see what the coincidences are. Let's see who's actually having the, the same. So anyway, so. Everybody was, you know, sharing their experiences. We were making a lot of connections. And then this one girl, I remember, she actually had this something in her thumb. And I had something kind of like in my thumb. And we actually went to a doctor to take x-rays of it. And we didn't find anything in there, but it was just a strange coincidence. Uh, but a lot, like I said, a lot of people were sharing their experiences. And um, that was the whole point of the, the groups. And we did it for a couple of years in different places and stuff like that. Yeah, I could ask you some questions more since you have you've seen the what 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 it's like in Colorado Springs here, and I've, I've always wondered if it's basically the same thing everywhere. If you find people who are abductees, we talk about being taken on ships, um, or we we talk about stories from when they were young. We talk about you know the <laughs> the, the uh, imaginary friends who aren't actually imaginary; they're actually beings, um, and or the missing time stories. People seem to. Have, be driving in their car they see something and then next thing they know it's a different period of time a lot of people shared exactly that that was the interesting thing because i was also not only doing groups i was actually going to people's homes because uh, just to privately and talk with them privately and i met a couple who are you know just ordinary people the, the, the wife was a teacher the, the husband was an engineer and they had nobody else to talk to back then, but they knew I was doing these groups. So somebody contacted, you know, um, 
ripped me from them and I went to their home and they started to tell me their story and kind of blew me away because they were like, you know, we don't even know how to begin, but my art, we, one night they were paralyzed in their bed and their children were being taken and the kids were basically telling, telling their parents about, you know, meeting their, their new friends and they're very, very small and childlike. And then one of them, they were like floating out the window and then they were, they were brought back to their room and the parents like were like stuck in their bed. They couldn't even move. And like the next day they found tree branches in the kid's bed. As the kid was being returned back to the, the, the bedroom, she grabbed a hold of a, of a leaf or a tree branch <laughs> and brought it back to the bed. I mean, how do you explain that? And uh, it was repeatedly. And then we started to, I started to question them. And it turns out that, that her mother, the wife's mother and the grandmother, they were having experiences. And there was another lady, too, that showed up. I remember her, she was very nice. Uh, this lady called Olive. And um, Olive was telling me she was from New Jersey and she was abducted many, many times. Didn't so much have missing time, but it turns out, again, her family was being taken. Her mother was an abductee, her children and the grandchildren. So it was this generational thing going on. Those are some of the ones that um, stood out in my mind. And there's another gentleman I met from somebody in, in one of those groups. And one of the coolest things he told me was he was he was abducted since he was a child. And uh, he actually, at first he was afraid, but then he kind of got warmed up to them and he realized that they're not here to hurt him. And they ended up you know, teaching him about many different things. But the most compelling thing that he told me was one time in his mind, they showed him every single life he ever had on this earth going back to when he was a monkey. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, what? I mean, it was amazing. He said it was the most amazing thing. Like I saw all my previous lives and I was a monkey at first. And then they merged with me and they, you know, and then I became a human. And then every single lifetime that he had on this earth, he got to see in his mind. Uh, it was pretty cool. And he was, he was pretty legitimate. He was actually in a couple of documentaries I forgot his name now. He was on TV a couple of times after that. Um, then I was going to the um, the UFO conferences. I met Dr. Roger Lear, who he passed away now. But if you remember him, he was a, a, a podiatrist. But he got interested because people were going to him and they had these foreign objects in his in, in their body. And he actually surgically removed a few implants. And I met this guy and I sat down with him at the conference and we had a great conversation. You know, he wasn't a UFO enthusiast. He just happened. Um, he just happened to. I don't know how it got into it, but um, he was removing these implants, and when they got them, uh, you, you you couldn't cut into them. They were like some kind of biological little, you know, very small little object. But it compelled him to start getting into the UFO uh, abduction thing, and people would tell him their stories and. They remember, he remember them saying that, yeah, I was taken on board and they implanted me and they stuck something up my nose and they stuck something in my toe or my, my finger. And sure enough, you know, through technology, he actually removed these things. That was pretty cool. A lot, a yeah. lot of interesting stories over the years, for sure. Yeah, it's amazing how much evidence there is that's actually physical that people have now. That it's like the, the mainstream just can't handle it yet, but I guess... Hopefully, we're ramping up to a point where people can begin to be open, open-minded more. I think that's happening now. I agree. In 30 years, and, and I've been involved in this. I mean, so many things have come on TV. All these documentaries, 
And then you have the NASA videos and you have the government videos. So it seems that we've obviously changed. The shift has taken place into the attitude of Earth. You know, you ask anybody out there, any kid, any adult oh, about aliens. And, you know, years ago, they didn't believe it. 70, I think the last poll they did, like 75% of people polled totally believe we're not alone. Aliens have been coming here forever. And now the government has finally started to put out their own videos and they, they're telling you, we don't know where these things come. They're not made from Earth. They're not ours. Uh, NASA just had some public discussion group the other day. I mean, they have some great video of objects showing up right next to the space station and, and then taking off. So finally, it's coming out there and maybe we're getting closer. And I was also told, I think I told you a while ago that I was told many years ago, there's going to be a gradual and then an all at once. Well, we're seeing a, we've seen definitely a gradual change in Earth. And now we're just waiting for the all at once, whatever that's going to be. The, I don't know, the shift of the of the poles or I don't know. So this was something out, that but, was communicated by these, I guess, the interdimensional angelic realm Pleiadians when you first were hovering out of your body. And they, they told you about a shift that was happening, but they didn't say what this meant in the physical dimension. They just meant that it was a, a spiritual shift. I don't really remember, but it was some kind of, they just used the word shift. When the earth will shift upwards, the ascension process will begin, something like that. An ascension process will begin. So I took it more as uh, like a physical shift, but it could be a combination of the, 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 the spiritual with the physical, a gradual so, and then all at once. So the implication is that there's a gradual shifting and then there's an all at once shifting that happens at some point in the gradual time frame. I believe so. And then years later, you know, NASA was talking about how the, the, the poles of the earth are going to be potentially shifting and changing. And, you know, there was a map back then, like America after the shift, and it showed like the, the oceans coming into almost the center of the company country on both sides. And that's why Colorado was kind of safe because we're kind of like in the middle of the country there. The oceans wouldn't get that far in and the mountains would stop any water. And that's, that's kind of why she was saying, like, uh, you know, Colorado will be a good place for you to be. So, yeah. yeah, maybe the earth will actually shift on its on its axis, which it has done before. And then, you know, they know the procession of the equinoxes happens every like 26,000 years or something. And maybe that's that next shift that they were talking about, a physical yep. earth shift. And if the physical earth shifts, our minds will be aligned to a different frequency in the universe if our if our whole planet moves. So maybe they were related to something like that. Yeah. Yeah, there have been many different stories of the ascension that are said in a way that I would call veiled. I don't think they want to inspire any fear in people. And I think it, it may it may not the physical things don't even really matter compared to the spiritual things, in the sense that if we if we have to die, we can just take on a new body. And we'll we'll continue in the way that we need to, or the way that we want to, with um, with the natural flow of reincarnation cycles. Um, it's just what are we, what body do we need, and are we ready for an upgraded body? I think that there's a chance that you know the younger kids being born today definitely have more more spiritual openness. Maybe maybe their genetics are already shifting where they're more able to tap into psychic phenomenon. And I'm very excited for for my son to see how much he can uh, telepath and that kind of thing. Yeah, you should question them too uh, as, as as they're growing. You know, ask them questions before they get like uh, socialized. I used to always ask um, uh, my my nephew when he was young about different things and see if he remembered anything. 
never, never, nothing too compelling. But yeah, this this earth is now the people reincarnating supposedly are for that next generation. That's they're they're much more precocious. They're much more open minded. They're coming in with information. So obviously, this planet is in turmoil. Maybe it's always been in turmoil, and maybe it's going to continue in turmoil. I don't know anymore. But uh, I just keep going day by day. But it does seem that we're heading towards something that will be very beneficial to the Earth. I, I never lived in any kind of fear about it. I always thought that a spaceship was going to take me off this planet, and then they kind of told me that, basically. And then it'll settle down, and we'll, we'll come back, and we'll be part of a new Earth. Uh, that's kind of why I like uh, Rebecca and Austin, how they're planning on, you know, uh, being sustainable and, you know, creating the foods and all that. And yeah. I would love to, you know, eventually be a part of, like, a community. You know, we buy some property out there in the middle of Colorado, you know, uh, role of like mind. I like that. When I met you guys and I started to speak with them and it just kind of piqued my interest. And it seems that that would be a great thing, you know, come together. Everybody starts working together instead of against each other. You know, that self-sustaining mentality, spiritually minded, love everybody. I've always kind of been like that. I was never like, um, never uh, much of a bigot or a racist. I always accepted everybody. I was very open-minded from a young mind, from a young person. And I've always kind of lived my life that way. And then when all these experiences, it even became like a, I call myself a child of the all. Uh, I don't, I don't really, you know, adhere to the religions, but the spiritual side, the connection to everything is very uh, apropos and works for me. Yeah. It definitely seems like there's a natural calling amongst spiritual communities to um, sort of sort of create their own way of doing things, but we're not quite, we're not quite there as a society yet where we're, you know, very focused on um, growing very sustainable uh, methods of agriculture. Um, but but it's amazing how many people of all belief systems are wanting to create these kinds of communities um, where there'd be more of a focus on spiritual pursuit and healing and openness to, to everyone. Um, it seems like it's an inevitability that we're going to be out in the mountains somewhere, I think, with that community one day. So I'd like it. Yeah, yeah I'm I excited. think it's really cool. Do you feel like you've been guided your whole life by some particular force or entity or just your intuition? Hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, I think so. Um, actually, I know so because like a lot of times I'll be on trips and I'll say, okay, spirit, take me where I need to go. And then all of a sudden, like something just happens. I end up in this place that I didn't even know about. So definitely I feel that I've been guided through uh, many things. And, you know, things always showed up when I needed them to. And, you know, I reached out probably when I was a young kid, uh, about 19. I was kind of upset living in Florida uh, just before everything really happened. And I kind of yelled up at the sky like, hey, God, either you kill me or you show me the way because I don't really know what I'm, I'm supposed to do here. And then that night I saw a UFO, strange light in the sky, and then things started to happen. And then one of the first things that happened was I, I, I met somebody. And um, and he basically was going to take me to a, an Indian guy who does like readings and spiritual stuff. And from then on, uh, I, I've definitely been guided. I, I've always ended up meeting those people who um, uh, were like me or like minded. And uh, but, yeah, it always seemed to like one thing led to another. Like I kept meeting people who introduced me to somebody else and, and I was able to help them and. You know, I, I, there's definitely a guiding force that's been with me, and it's been very positive. I never had any kind of fear. 
of these beings. I've seen greys in my dreams and, you know, uh, they've done some things to me maybe, but I never really felt like I was abducted. And then when the Pleiadians came there, there's such a difference in the energy. But I never have any kind of fear. I, I've always, I always call myself like a contactee as, as opposed to an abductee. And, um, you know, whatever, maybe they did do stuff to me when I was younger, but I never had that fear about it. I was always very open-minded to it all, as I am today. So maybe it'd be worth it to talk about dreams a little more, too. Um, it, so it's interesting that, you know, you, you, you've had a lot of flying dreams where, you know, you're out of, it seems like when we're, when we're asleep, we're out of body. Um, but with this other experience you had, you seem to be out of body and awake and very aware that you were out of body and you could see your body while you're in that state. But I, I've also had experiences where it seems like there's a, there was a transition where I was asleep and out of body. And then I woke up and I was awake and out of body. And I was wondering if you had anything like that, but then just the nature of dreams in general is very mysterious. Do you have any thoughts on, um, you know, where you're going when you're having these experiences? I've been everywhere. I've been on, I used to wake up. I used to call it an instance of awareness where I realized I would, I would, I wake up in this dream and I realized that I was out of my body. A couple of times I saw my body on my bed and I was playing with it. Like I remember waking up and I knew I was sleeping, but I was awake and I, I put my hand through my wall because I knew I could. And then I put my head through my wall and then I knew it because I could. And then I actually left my house and then I came back right through my wall. I woke up and I'm like, whoa, that was pretty cool. So I would wake up in these experiences with this instance of awareness where I was aware. And I, I've seen beings of all kinds of colors and natures and, you know, birds and, and lion creatures and just a, a whole multitude of different kind of entities out there. And I would wake up on planets and I, I sometimes I would jump off the planet because I knew I could, like, uh, like uh, in the Matrix movie when he was forced to jump off the building. So I used to literally fly like light speed uh, and uh, sometimes I'd wake up in dreams and then I'd change my location. I'd say, oh, okay, since I'm awake, I have control. Let's go somewhere else. Let's go to a, a red rock area, a mountain area. Instantaneously, now I'm in some other location. So I ended up, because I was writing down my dreams every day and I was so aware, I, I was sleeping a lot because <laughs> my dreams were more exciting than my, my, my waking state. And I would wake up and I'd write down six, seven, eight dreams in vivid. I still have them. I should publish it because they're amazing to me. But the messages and the, the beings that I met and the experiences just were amazing. And they, they never stopped. Even to this day, I still have some, some pretty wild dreams. But for a 20-year period, which I wrote down my dreams, they were always, you know, um, just amazing to me because of the experiences and the, and the feeling that I would, uh, when I woke up with the, um, the ability to remember it all and I was given names and, you know, numbers and all kinds of different things. And, you know, I would show up at other people's homes and like, Hey, I'm out of my body. Can you see me? And <laughs> they never did, but, um, you know, I had such control and, you know, I would like lift up my hands and now I was like hovering wherever I was and I could turn and move and I can go fast or slow. The dreams were very, very uh, important in my my growth. I would I would think because the I guess the confidence it gave me in this in this uh, dream state. I've I've certainly had periods where I was writing down my dreams every day, and I I noticed that if I would read my dreams like in the evening, if I'd go back and read what I wrote down in the morning, 
then it would be like an explanation of the metaphysics of what had happened to me that day. Now, I do think there might be a difference between different types of dreams that have different types of purposes, some some showing more prophetic uh, things, some showing more um, uh, w w what's going on in the metaphysical dimensions. I think that that's kind of that's kind of like uh, clues to our spiritual path when we when we interpret the symbolism of of the dreams. But then, um, yeah, I know there's different categories of dreams too that doesn't always apply. But the the amount of information that I gain when I read them later seems to be more than when I think about the dream when I after I first had it because it seems like the dream is like an invitation for me to to um, a kind of processing whenever it is that I'm reading it and processing it. It's like there's always a lot of value there. So yeah, I'd be I was interested in those dreams. Yeah, I was definitely given a lot of like prophecy. Like I wrote down these things and then they came true, which was pretty cool because I then I would go back to my dream book and, um, you know, I read and then sure enough, I wrote it down. Actually, I was uh, I wanted to say before with with the with the dream I had with from my friend, it said I was given three words. It said, seek the mystic. I don't even know what that was, a mystic. I don't know what a mystic was, but three words. And then a week later, I meet this woman. So now, about a year later, I'm going through my dream book, and sure enough, I, I come across this dream that said, seek the mystic. And I did. <laughs> and then she's the one who told me about the Pleiadians and the interdimensionals and all that. So it was like somebody guided me again, uh, you know, and I actually wrote it down. So the dreams were always prophetic. They're always, you know, trying to help me. Ah, a lot of weird stuff, too. You know, you get a lot of weird, weird stuff in there. But um, it was always very... Um, important information for me to uh you know to understand and to glean and then to help other people obviously so a lot of other people weren't so comfortable with these the experiences where for me it was very natural and uh, even to this day it's like i love it you know yeah i, I think i flew last week and i was oh thank you <laughs> so do you feel like you um that this would be a higher self that's guiding you do you feel like you have an awareness of higher and lower aspects of yourself it's hard to say. I mean, there's some kind of energy or being that seems to be with me or, you know, just, I don't know who it is or what it is, if it's me or, or a higher or lower self, I'm not really sure. It's hard to, hard to say, but it seems that um, these beings have been with me since childhood and they definitely, uh, you know, lent a helping hand. Anytime I was ever in trouble in life, like all of a sudden I, I got out of trouble really quick. Like I'd be, you know, my car broke down in the snow like a few months ago. And, you know, I asked for guidance and help. And then sure enough, somebody shows up out of nowhere and helped me. I've always helped people too. So it's kind of like that balance. But it definitely, it seems like there's a, another entity or being of some kind that's been with me and helping me through these, um, you know, through my life for sure. Maybe I could ask you a little bit about um, how how your career has gone too. It's so cool that you, that you have a, a cannabis company here in Colorado Springs that is helping a lot of people I know. Um, and my relationship with cannabis has been back and forth over the years where I didn't know if it was, um, you know, bolstering aspects of my personality that were not helpful. But then I realized, well, that's just giving me insight into those aspects of my personality that I need to work on. I just need to um, process whatever it is. Um, and I feel like it's amazing that we're in a, in a state now where psilocybin mushrooms have been legalized too. It's It's as though, you know, the free will of, of humanity has finally broken through the the whatever controlling interest didn't want us to be using these plant medicines to 
heal ourselves and now we're able to actually have have more access um but but how did you get into that industry uh, well, it's a long story, but um, I was a part of a company like four or five years ago that was doing the, I was a venture capital um, person. I used to raise money for companies and uh, I actually visited Colorado and I went to this place in Colorado Springs and we were one of the first investors and then we got hired by the company to uh, do public relations, investor relations, and then everything was good for a while. Then it all fell apart. It just it got messed up and the company made some mistakes. And then I was a shareholder, so I rallied other shareholders, and we ended up raising some more money to take over the company because it was a it was still in business. And um, long story short, I ended up you know taking over this company, and that's how I ended up in Colorado because it it's in in Colorado Springs. Um, it's actually been one of the most stressful things I've ever gotten myself involved in because <laughs> it, it was very tough, and still we're kind of like hanging on there. Um, as far as the pot and the marijuana and stuff, I've been, I, I've been using this stuff for like 40 years. Did it help me? Did it hurt me? I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I got into it. It always, I felt good. I mean, it never seemed to stop me. I mean, all those experiences that I experienced in my dreams, you know, I was using marijuana during the day and I go to sleep and it never seemed to interfere. Um, sometimes it actually makes me anxious. Now it's so strong. I actually stopped doing it for a little while because I was getting stressed out with the company and I was getting some anxiety. So sometimes it can help. Sometimes it can be a detriment, but it does seem to have a, you know, you never heard of anybody dying from marijuana, uh, alcohol, you know, and pills kills more people on a daily basis and everything combined. Never heard of anybody dying from marijuana. It definitely has its medicinal uh, properties. It's just another uh, great plant out there. That's, uh, you know, come from our creator. And, uh, you know, like I said, it got me to Colorado. I've always wanted to come here. And, you know, she told me that years ago that I should be looking in Colorado. Just so happens this company happened to be here and timing was good. My daughter was grown. My, you know, my family's older. It's like I needed to get out of Florida anyway. And it got me here. And then, like I said, the first thing I wanted to do was find a group like yours and make some friends with open-minded people. Just so happens that that first night, you know, Mark was compelled to go that night too. He's like my best buddy now. And you and the other guys, Julian and, and Randy, and I feel very comfortable always hanging out with everybody. I feel like it was the right move to come here. So, yeah, you know, day by day. But um, at this point, it's like uh, we've seen so many things since we've got here. I mean, it, it never stops. Uh, we told you about uh, six weeks ago, uh, about five of us went to Garden of the Gods and it was freezing. It was a very, very windy night. It was, it was really cold. But we ended up seeing this object come out of the West and go to the East. And we all saw it lasted about like nine minutes. And we kept thinking like, is this a space station? No, because the space station actually goes the other direction. But it lasted so long. It was a ball of light, but it was very large. It was more of like a craft up there, but just a, an object. But here I am with my, my new buddies from my new UFO discussion group, seeing a spaceship of some kind that's moving erratically and we're all just excited and we're all you know, just giggling. Like I can't believe we're all seeing this together. So, you know, that being said, uh, it's, there's, there's something going on here. I'm here for a reason and I'm trying to figure out what that reason is. And, you know, at this point it's like day by day, I don't expect anything. If they know where I'm at and when they're ready for me, they'll come and, you know, maybe take me and, you know, if they need me to help, 
with the world, then they know I'm, I will definitely help that. I'm always open to helping anybody at any time. Yeah, it's an amazing thing that so many people are being drawn here. I mean, I don't know if it's that way all other parts of the country, but it certainly seems like we get a, a very large number of people who move here specifically because they they felt drawn here. They felt there's some some kind of spiritual significance to their their journey that they, they needed to, to come to Colorado. Yeah, I don't know what what it is about Colorado, but um, I mean, I've always wanted to come here from the first time I came here, you know, 30, 40 years ago. I was like, well, I fell in love with this place. And I always felt that one day I will be here. And now I'm here almost, you know, closing in on two years. And like I said, as soon as I got here, I saw this object in the east. Uh, you know, I keep seeing stuff. And, you know, one day I was uh, coming outside of my house. And I looked up and I saw a flash. And uh, that's usually my, my, my sign. And then in my mind, somebody said, like, go to Garden of the Gods. I told my wife, I'm going to go. She didn't want to go. Ended up going by myself. Sat there, put the chair down. Not even five minutes go by, I see the flash. And then when I see the flash, I know that I'm supposed to, I just decide to turn my chair and look at a different direction. And then I did that. Five minutes later, they came back and they gave me three flashes. And they disappear. So I'm like, thank you. <laughs> so yeah. I haven't really got any specific messages from anybody in a long, long time. But just seeing the flashes of light, the way they used to do it uh, to be in Florida, tells me that I'm here. For the right reasons and then you know when everything is gonna unfold as it still unfolds i'll be able to um uh you know participate in whatever i'm supposed to be participating somebody just said something about a lot of people are you know drawn to florida you know a lot of people florida is a very transient state a lot of people get there and then they leave the energy down there is very strange there's a lot of people there now it's a very uh distracting place you know, you don't have too many areas where you can see a clear sky. The light pollution is terrible. You have to really, you know, get out of the area. You know, I used to go in my backyard for some reason. It was a little darker than the average. But, you know, a lot of people are drawn to Florida and then they're they're drawn out of there. They have to get out of there because the energies are very strange down there. It's very uh, it's like a melting pot of all kinds of people from all around the world. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I guess I could recommend to people if you're not on meetup.com to use that for forming groups in your own area and see if you can find your own um you know fellow light workers and seekers who are open to these things and having their own experiences as that, that was really all, all i did was start a meetup group um and i had a couple friends that you know made it easier for me to get it going knowing that you have at least somebody who's going to show up to start with but it did not take long i call it a springs has a few hundred thousand people in it so and it's maybe a little bit easier here than a smaller town would be um maybe a lot easier but um, if you can find a town with 100,000 people in it to that you're close to, that's a great place to start a meetup group if there's not already an existing meetup group. And I know that you know th there's so many people who cannot share their stories because they're, they're whole, all their friends and family think they're crazy. And it's it's almost like this is the, more more the norm that, that people are having experiences and not able to share them um, than, than that they have actual friends who they can talk to about these things. So so that's why it's so critical, I think, that people find find one another uh, in, in communities to to be able to sort of grow and 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 come to peace and come to a sense of grounding with the reality of the, the visitations that are happening and our interaction with the with the star families, which seems to be um, you know maybe one of unity. Maybe we are these star brothers incarnated in these bodies and we're here for the purpose of of helping every, everyone else uh, work through the, the transition, the shift that's happening um, without any fear. Um, 
So, so do you feel like uh, you're, you're a Pleiadian yourself, Paul? Well, I mean, they told me I was, I mean, um, <laughs> I know I'm just a, I try to call myself a child of the all connected to everything attached to nothing. You know, they're the ones who actually gave me this, this, this name, the Pleiadians. I never really, I mean, I guess before I, I met them, I was reading about different groups and stuff like that. But uh, when, you know, when, when they give you the name and then when I did that reading with the mystic lady and she says, you know, we are part of the Pleiadians and you're part of us. Like we're like, I'm a descendant of them. It, it kind of made sense. Um, my last name is Cohen, as you know, and um, in the, in the, in the Torah, in the Bible, there's only two family names that were allowed to touch this Ark of the Covenant where the Torah was held. And it was the Cohens and the Levi's. And many, many years ago, I worked for a company that used to expose new technologies in a video form to like a, a business uh, um, um, scenario. And I talked to a DNA company and uh, the guy says, oh, you're a Cohen, huh? I said, yeah. He says, well, I'm going to tell you something very interesting. We did a study, a DNA study on the Cohens and the Levi's. And it says, you and the Levi's have different DNA than anybody else on this entire planet. And I'm like, what? What does that mean? I'm like, does that mean like I'm an alien? He says, well, we're not really sure, but you and the Levi's have different DNA than any other family in the whole world. So in the Bible, it talks about the, the, the genesis is like genetics, like the first couple of pages, the first couple of sentences, it says, the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and took them as wives. They had men of great renown. They were giants in those days. The Nephilim, the Cherubim, the Seraphim, which in Hebrew means those who come from above. So they're telling you that the extraterrestrials basically came here and merged their DNA with the DNA of the things that were already here, like the monkeys or whatever. And then there's a whole section called Numbers, and it names the 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 the, the names of the families, which would basically be the the DNA of these beings. So that information is all in there. Nobody ever really looks at that, you know, as, as anything real. But, you know, when somebody tells you that your DNA is different from anybody else in the world, and then the Bible's telling you that your family name was one of the only ones who could touch this, this ark, and it was some kind of a machine. And that machine supposedly fed these being uh, the people here for 40 years when they went through the deserts, according to the story of, you know, Moses looking to get into the promised land. So a lot of, a lot of strange stuff like that. So... Am I a Pleiadian? I don't know. I don't know what I am, but somebody, uh, you know, keeps using that name. And I'm, I'm actually uh, happy to be affiliated with these beings because the energy that like they, they extended to me was amazing. Good luck touching the Ark. Somebody just wrote, yeah, you couldn't touch the Ark back in the day because the uh, Uziah or whatever his name was touched the Ark and he, he died like instantaneously. He wasn't a Cohen. So a lot of strange things, but all the research I've ever done, and then all the stuff that Eric Von Daniken ever read, and all the stuff that uh, Zachariah Sitchin and a host of other amazing people, they've done the research, they've looked back, the Sumerians and the technology that they came, and all these beings from thousands and thousands of years ago were so much more technologically advanced than what we have today, and all those buildings are still in existence to this day. Um, so it's very compelling where we come from. I, I was convinced early on that you know the extraterrestrials came here and you know we're part
um, you know, all these things have come out over the years of our, um, you know, where we come from. And it seems that, you know, again, they're not God. They're not the creator. When I look up at the sky and I see all those stars, whatever made that, I call, you know, um, either the God or the creator or the source. So they were created like we were created, but it seems that they had a hand in helping us uh, in our evolutionary growth as well. And that yeah. seems to be documented in a lot of different ancient texts. You read stuff from like India. I mean, they'll tell you about 8,000 years ago, the wars and the technologies that everybody had back then. And you see some of the structures that are, are in India today. There's no way that primitive people could have made these things. I mean, they're like laser cut. Everything's aligned to the stars. So I'm already a thousand percent convinced that we are, you know, from these uh, higher beings, you know, again, you know, they're, they don't probably, they probably couldn't explain existence either. I mean, how do you make a sun? How do you make a star on uh, a planet? It's beyond the finite mind of the man. But, uh, you know, these beings, obviously they're, they're pretty technologically advanced if they're cruising around the universe in these ships that we now have video cameras that sees them all the time. So, very compelling in the and that uh, that trail of our earthly uh, existence. Yeah, I definitely agree. There's so many different sources discussing the the genetic programs and the law of one books that I like so much. They talk about um, a, a grand experiment, and uh, Corey Good's information said that the the beings referred to the genetic projects as being part of a great experiment for basically just consciousness evolution in the in the in the galaxy and and the the dots definitely seem to connect that there's there's just it's almost like what uh, what are we doing here as beings you know we're 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 exploring the nature of consciousness we're exploring the nature of manifestation and genetics are one way in which we um express the nature of what life is and could be and so it makes sense that we're as we grow as a as a race we're becoming more and more able to co-create with genetics and co-create more of, of the reality that, that we're wanting to see through through you know proper maintenance and stewardship of of what it means to be li alive and what what life actually is so i'm very hopeful that we'll we'll know more of the mysteries of our genetics someday and that it'll all point us back to um the source the source of cr creation basically sure yeah the people who actually discovered the uh, dna in the 50s and started to uh you know research it um one of the lead scientists basically said you know there's no way in the world that this just randomly showed up it's so complex and it's so you know uh, just beyond that obviously intelligent design it had to come from somebody who designed it and uh, you know we're just starting now to you know figure a lot of it out but it's so far you know, advanced that it just didn't randomly show up. And obviously uh, there's an intelligent being behind it all. And, you know, it, it lets us try to figure it out. And we've come far, you know, a hundred years, but there's so much more we're going to learn eventually. It's all coming out. Yeah. So this has been a really great conversation, Paul. I thank you for sharing all these stories. Um, and we can do this another time too and get more stories recorded. Um, been going for about 70 minutes now. But I'm curious, do you have any um, recommendations for people uh, to to become more active um, and more awakened and more activated? Yeah, first of all, I appreciate the conversation. I'm always open to uh, speaking with you and anybody else on these subjects. And I would just recommend to everybody is quiet the mind because we're over, unfortunately, we're, uh, it's a very stressed out world and 
money and this and that and obligations. People, they forget and they get caught up in, the, uh, in some other time that hasn't happened yet in the future. They have to live in the here and the now. And the best way to do that is to slow down, is to stop and then learn to meditate, calm your mind down. And then once you get into the, uh, you know, a good routine of meditation, start asking questions before you go to sleep. And most likely you'll get those answers and definitely start writing down your dreams because they definitely will. Uh, um, it's easier. It seems easier for them to contact us when we're in the dream state because we're not so locked up into the earthly, you know, uh, commotions that go on here every day. So chill out, relax, and then go find a group of like-minded people and uh, keep looking up. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. That's such a precious window right before we fall asleep to to potentially tune ourselves to a, a journey while we're asleep. Yeah, Definitely. I'm looking forward to next week when we go out to uh, to that area. It should be nice with a whole bunch of folks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if anybody's in the Colorado area, contact me if you want to participate in the events we have here and you can get more engaged and have some experiences yourself, possibly. So, yeah. Excellent. Right. Look forward um, to it. Thanks again, Paul. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Look forward to it as well. Thanks, Mike. Have a great weekend. We'll talk soon.